0: In the last five years, I went from active duty military, National Guard, undergrad and master's degree completed, to internships, some assistant coach positions, now being the head coach at NYU.
1: How can what you
2: learn in the military be transferable to civilian life? In what ways can mentors be beneficial? Well, today's guest is going to answer these questions and more as he shares his journey. (laughs) What do you want to do with your life?
1: What do you want to do with your life?
2: What do you want to do do with your life? life? Ah! understandably a tough question for any 20-something to
1: answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up.
2: Today's guest
1: is Brad
2: Godbold, the director of strength and conditioning at New York University.
0: My name is Brad Godbold. I am from South Carolina. Left home immediately at 18 tried college at that age but me and school didn't really work out all that well. Ultimately ended up joining the army just a couple years out of high school and that I did that from active duty and national guard for nine and a half years um, before I got into actually going back to college and getting my degree in, in the coaching.
1: So you got a civil engineering AA?
0: Like two credits short.
1: So what made you go down that path initially? Like why civil engineering? I
0: always had, from my early age like a, like a design-based mind. Like I could see angles and like geometry and physics became very easy to me. And like I also really enjoy art. I still enjoy art. It's like a side kind of hobby of mine. And at the time, I was like, okay, I like art. I like math. What can I do to put those together? And like civil engineering just kind of naturally filled that gap. But, I mean, even in high school at that age, like, I just wasn't a really good student at all. Like, in my head, I thought it would be cool, but, like, then doing, like, the actual work, I was just, like, I was not a student at the time. Like, I wanted to do what I wanted to do.
1: So what made you go into the military?
0: Actually, honestly, I had that had been in the back of my mind since eighth grade. I was in eighth grade when 9-11 happened, and it was kind of something that came to the forefront of my thought, but when I graduated high school, I was 17, and you have to have a parent sign. My Parents wouldn't do it. They were like, Need to go to school and do this. I actually ended up going to school first, um, was because I wasn't old enough to join the army right out of high school. But then once I, I tried the school thing out, and it wasn't for me, and I went to my parents, I was like, well, I still want to do the army, and you can't stop me now.
1: Putting your foot down, now that you're in control. what did you do in the, in the military then?
0: So I was, for my whole career, I was a forward observer. Like a scout, but better. There's like a little internal rivalry between my job and scouts. They think they're as good as we are, but they're not. So any scouts out there listening, just you know, go sit on your horse. They say I was in charge of all artillery, mortar, naval gunfire, and rotor wing and fixed wing aircraft um, support fire. So like, I coordinated all of those pieces around infantry movement so that one, we could dispatch the enemy without hurting our own people. So basically like infantry would be out on the battlefield, I'd be
1: up in an observation point
0: and coordinate like where all those pieces fit in
1: without doing anything to our own people. So when you get into the military, like do you get to pick kind of your avenues or do they tell you essentially where you're going or give you like three or four things to pick from?
0: So I got to pick uh, and I think in all the branches except for the Marines, you get to pick your own job. So I got to pick, but even within my field of forward observer, there's several different vertical you can go down and the vertical that I ultimately ended got in I, I got to work a lot more like special operations just through like some schools that I went to like put me like a little bit more advanced, I guess you would say. So I got to work with doing that same mission with the special operations groups.
1: So what'd you like about the military essentially like versus versus school? So you were learning but you were learning in a different manner when you're in the military, I guess, right?
0: Exactly. I think what the military gave me that I lacked, as especially a teenager, was the discipline and structure, and the fact that what I was doing I knew was bigger than myself, and it was it was just it was what I wanted to do. I, I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed doing what I did, and I was good at it. So I think that was kind of the bigger difference of like traditional college school versus like learning what I was doing in the military.
1: What were the two biggest takeaways from your time in the military? Two biggest takeaways.
0: So I many. <laughs> obviously, it sounds cliche. Probably any vet you talk to would say it, but attention to detail and, and just overall discipline. Those are the two biggest things that I would say have carried over into my life after the military and have had a large portion to deal with my success as a civilian.
1: Would you say that anybody is? Could benefit from joining the military, or it's you know, oh, so a,
0: yeah. Yeah, I I wish that they would do like mandatory two year service. Uh, right. <laughs> I think that military service would fix some of the problems that we have in our country right now, and just like instilling that discipline in, in a lot more people. Obviously, you know, not like everybody's not everybody needs to see combat, but like you can do a two year apprenticeship program where you're in the military, but you also learn a skill.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, well, the apprenticeship would be pretty cool. I know, yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to be in combat. That is one of the reasons why I would never want to join the military on the off chance that that were to happen. But some of the ideas that you were saying about attention to detail and just discipline and just how would you get into fitness then?
0: So sports, fitness, being in the gym has also been another part of my identity from an early age. My dad played college football and he was always uh, in the gym. I got into youth athletics either like eight or nine, I can't remember what the the, the age was for my city, like playing like youth sports and like recreation leagues. Uh so either like eight or nine years old. Started playing soccer and football and um and baseball. And then at eleven I think my dad like took me to the gym for the first time and I think I've been in ever since. So like I've at thirty two years old I legitimately got over twenty years
1: in the gym. Jeez. What is it about the gym that you like? I think it,
0: at an early age, I didn't know this was what it was, but I think it just provides me that outlet to let the day stress or any, like, you know, anger or, like, emotional turmoil I'm going through, like, without knowing it at an early age, the gym was a place where I could kind of, like, let all that energy out, and that was my therapy. I mean, it, it's that way for a lot of people, but you don't, you don't really, like, put the puzzle pieces together until later in life, and that's really what it is so then it was like at an early I think it was you know uh, I want to be around my dad my dad went to the gym so I went to the gym with my dad and then I was like oh well even doing this very like not structured like going to the gym workouts like I noticed like obviously like I started put on muscle going through puberty and like getting stronger and faster and I'm like okay well I'm playing football better so like let me just keep doing it and So like just that part, even at an early age, I noticed like the ways outside of the gym that it kind of helped me playing sports, like having fun, going to the beach, like everything that a teenage boy wants to do.
1: Did you get into the career while you were in the military or was it when you got back and you were like reintegrating into civilian life that you really kind of took a hold of it and decided to pursue that?
0: So I got into it actually in the military. I was as an additional duty besides my job that I had was what the army calls a master fitness instructor. And it is a secondary job that you can go through. It's there's a certification course. It is a very dumbed down version of CSCF. It's it's a very short course. I wanna say it was like maybe three weeks in length that you go through it. You learn the basics of like annual periodization. A little bit of nutrition stuff, but mostly like how to, like, you know, put workouts together for a certain time of the year. And then also like coaching, like safety and like barbell movements. So that was kind of my first wrong into it. I just really enjoyed the gym. So they were like, you, you're going to go take this class. And so that was kind of my first dealing with, I get what you would say, like structured coaching or strength conditioning. And then so when I made the decision to get out and go back to school, I was like, well, I know that my passion is fitness. Like it's been a big part of my life for most of my life, but I didn't really know that like college strength conditioning was a job at the time. So I knew like Instagram was still fairly new as far as like being used for like fitness and everything. So I was like, you know what? There's a a handful of people that are in this space. I'm just going to be like, A famous Instagram trainer. I am not a famous Instagram (laughs) trainer. I was looking at programs trying to figure out like exactly how I do that like other than the master fitness instructor course I didn't have any formal education no certifications or anything like that. So especially getting out when I was in school I thought like I would go be a trainer at a gym but like it was really hard and especially in New York City to like even work at like a crunch fitness without certifications or anything like that. I kind of put that on the back burner and through my first couple of courses my college courses i met the head strength coach at liu which is where i got my undergrad my masters and he kind of just took me under my wing being a little bit older i was 26 when i started college again so he kind of took me under his wing and really just kind of formed a relationship that is still very influential in how i am where i am now like had he not taking me under his wing then, and like, let, invited me to come to the um, varsity performance center to like just hang out while he was training teams outside of class. Likely wouldn't be where I am now. So like that was the very first like moment of knowing somebody and like luck that puts me where I am. That without meeting him, there's we're not having this conversation probably.
1: So what was it? about that experience that it just like opened all these doors for you and just kind of showed you what was possible essentially from that kind of mentorship
0: yeah i mean it showed me what was possible opened me up to a career that like like i said i didn't really have any prior knowledge of and then what kind of kept me around it was especially being fresh out of the military was like the discipline and the structure aspect of it having like a schedule kids come in they like And it's very regimented. You do your warm-up, then you do your activation, then you do your actual workout, and then your cool-down and stuff. And then it's that six, seven times in a row. So that kind of coupled my, like, passion for fitness with the discipline and structure that I got from the military. And then it was like, it clicked a few weeks in, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to work with athletes. I want to be a strength and conditioning coach. This is is what I'm going to do.
1: So what have you been doing since then? So after you graduated and stuff, what were you doing like right post school and then essentially getting to where you are now?
0: It's been a very fast five years. So in in the last five years, just to like, and we can go back and touch on all the points individually, but in the last five years, I went from active duty military, National Guard, undergrad and master's degree completed to internships some assistant coach positions now being the head coach at nyu and i tell people all the time like when you're if you're getting into this field don't look at where i am in my time frame as the the, like roadmap because that's not it at all like i I know that i've been extremely fortunate in my career and i always praise the people who were instrumental in me being where i am now
1: do you think your age plays a factor in it because most of the people trying to get into the field are say 22 23 and that's a long road versus you know you're 26 give or take or 28 when you get out of school and you're trying to find a job and build your way into the industry
0: yeah i think that i mean definitely being a little bit older and also having the six years of active duty military definitely helped a lot more than being you know a 22 year old college grad, still young, has a lot of life left to live. Those two things definitely aid me a lot, I think, in my career. So, as a coach, obviously, I'm I'm a young coach also, so I'm in the same boat as those 22, 23, 24-year-olds, but I have a decade of life experience ahead of them that just helps me out in those same avenues.
1: What do you think, for someone who maybe doesn't know the right people, at least right now, what are the two biggest things to get into the industry that you would recommend or suggest?
0: One is reach out to as many coaches as possible. Instagram via emails, if you get a phone number from some random or a business card, like start making those connections. It's a numbers game, it's a lot like dating. Like you you ask 10 people to go out on a date, eight of them are probably gonna say no, but then two are gonna say yes. Get your name, get your face out there as much as possible like several people have said it uh, i don't know who to quote for the original but like any monkey can can be a strength coach any anybody can like write down four sets of five at 60% uh, intensity but it's the real like the the interpersonal skills that make great coaches it's really just making those connections and i found that like when athletes see you doing that that like they start letting their guard down more I'm like okay he's not just a coach he's here to yell at me and do this like He's a mentor. He's a friend. Like he's somebody that I can talk to, and like then, like the workouts just kind of take care of themselves.
1: So, how did you personally build your interpersonal skills and get to where you are?
0: For me, specifically, it's always been a struggle because I'm a very like introverted, shy person. Even in the gym, I'm not that like yelling, like hype coach. I'm I'm pretty quiet. It's been a journey for me to like open up and like even doing podcasts and like talking. It's it, it seems like I'm. Not a good speaker, but like I can just like talk, but it's really yeah. not who I am at my core. It it, it it's just a process, and it's not something that me as an individual like I'm not there yet.
1: It's like Sunday or Saturday, one of the two days on your Instagram story. I thought this is a really cool point what you were talking about for what you had learned for for like the field essentially. So like strength and conditioning, you said. I could be wrong on my interpretation, but that you had learned more like from Googling and just reading outside sources rather than like what you had learned in college.
0: There is a huge thing in the field, not just even our field, just in professional life as a whole, that there's so much stock still put on college education. And while I understand the need for it outside of just what it is that you're learning, like I I, I met people in college. I learn different perspectives in college, much like I did in the military. It's not just about the information, but that is the baseline. I've learned so much more outside of the the college setting as far as like strength conditioning knowledge than I learned there. Like there you, you learn literally the baseline. You learn the anatomy, physiology, you learn the physiology. And then once you know that information, you just gotta keep building on it. And that's done through doing your own research talking to different coaches, learning what, I don't know, Cal Dietz is doing with, you know, his new philosophy and, like, triphasic training. Like, you don't learn triphasic training in college. That's something that you pick up along the way.
1: To play off the one question before, do you need a college degree in order to get into the industry? And I guess, like, in particular, maybe focused on higher levels, so whether it's pro or college sports?
0: So for college, yes, the, the field, prerequisites for the field are an undergrad in a human performance degree, be it applied kinesiology, exercise science, physiology, something like that, and your CSCS, CSCCA, and I think there's one other one, some new certificate that they're like accepting in that like try thing, but like I have my CSCS, so I'm not like worried about the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, And that's just like the bare minimum. A lot of times that's just even being an assistant coach. I, I see the field going towards bachelor's required, master's preferred. And I see that down the road going to like master's required. Like you've got to have a master's degree along with the CSCS. And ultimately I end up actually seeing us going towards like athletic trainers and where we have to have a national board. That's how the more value I see being put on the field in general, especially in college athletics, especially with the money that's being paid to some of these uh, like high-end power five football strength coaches. To earn or, I guess, be worthy of that money, they're going to start requiring more education.
1: If you had to list two pros and two cons about your job, what would they be?
0: The only real cons, I would say, I think – are starting to be fixed. And one is the, the stigma of having to work those 70, 80, 90 hour weeks as a strength coach in college. I mean, so to put it in perspective, I'm a, I work on with Olympic sports. I have 22 teams that I work with and I see all 22 teams throughout the week and still work about a 55 to 60 hour work week. But there are football strength coaches that work with just football that work 90 hour work weeks. And I'm like, if I can do all the work that I have to do with all of my Olympic sports, get them trained, fulfill their needs in the gym, being that mentor, being that person, just that outlet they can talk to. If I can do all all of that in a 60 hour week, why does football have the mentality that they, they have to work 90 hours? Like there's no reason to kill yourself work with one team like that when you can accomplish everything you need to accomplish and more and even if you work the same amount of time that I work just working with that one team is like you're doing plenty I already know that like I'm going to get some messages about that you know you're talking about whatever but my opinion my opinion only it's not necessary the other one I would say is probably the amount of coaches that I know of that aren't willing to have conversations with younger coaches and they want to like charge for mentorship programs and this and that i'm like that's that's not how you move the industry forward just because it's something that you might have had to have gone through doesn't mean that that's like the way it should be like just because you didn't have any help in your career doesn't mean that you shouldn't be the one to be like okay hey i got i got where i am without any help but there's no reason that like i can't be the coach to help the next person come along
1: that's all you can ask for honestly geez If more people were like that, especially the not charging thing, I think that really gets a lot of people because nowadays people charge literally an arm and a leg for any small bit of advice. What are two pros? For me,
0: it is a carryover of a lot I was able to do in the military, being a positive, influential person in young people's lives. Especially in today's society, there's so much negative influence that people have to deal with. If I can be any small part of a positive part of a person's day, whether that's making them a little bit faster, making them a little bit stronger, jump higher, or if it's just they had a shitty day and they need somebody to talk to and my office door is open and they know they can talk to me. The other pro is, and this is this is really, truly not a joke at all, I mean, 100% dead on a series, is it's a very comfortable job. I get to wear workout clothes 24-7. Mm-hmm. I'm not a suit and tie kind of guy. Like I don't have any suit and tie. I own one. I'll put it on when I have to. But like shorts, t-shirt, and sneakers. Like that's me all day long. And I get to work in a gym. I get dressed comfortably. I get to work out and get paid for it.
1: If you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be?
0: I would say it would be Brad Godbold: colon, The Asshole Behind the Coach. I'm a super nice guy, but I do have those like assholeish tendencies but it's just like to get the job done.
1: At least you're honest about being one, and you're not one like all the time. If you had 30 to 60 seconds to describe to a complete stranger who came up to you on the side of the street and asked what you did, what would you say?
0: I make athletes better through scientifically based exercise, structured exercise workout programs.
1: An average day. So, I guess, are y'all back in the gym and everything now? If not, like, you can go back to, like, normal times and whatnot.
0: I go back to work tomorrow. Actually, it's my first day. Okay. So, I'm pretty excited about that. It will not in any capacity be a normal day. So, I'll I'll give a day in the life of a normal day. I usually, on a normal day, I wake up around 5 o'clock, get up, shower, breakfast, do all that stuff pop on my scooter to the path train, fold up my scooter, get on the path train, go into the city, get off, unfold my scooter, and then go to NYU. I usually start there around 6.30, 7 o'clock. If it's 7 o'clock day, I like kind of take my time. I stop at, stop at Dunkin' Donuts on the way, grab myself an iced coffee. Doesn't matter if it's summer or winter, I'm getting an nice coffee. So days start, they, they're on like an alternating schedule, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Tuesday, Thursday, either 6.30 or 7.00. Um, and then all things normal, I usually have about four to five teams in the morning, so like 6.30 to 11.30 basically, or 7 to 12. Then I'll have like basically like program in a little time for me to get lunch in, in my calendar. Afternoon comes, we'll have usually like an hour and a half, two hours of what we we'll open hours where any athlete can come to the gym. And then afternoon have most probably like six teams generally like seven to seven on a daily basis have we do have typically our part-time strength coaches assistant strength coaches that, uh, that help out so i don't always stay until seven o'clock when we do get to open back up right now we're waiting basically we had to upgrade our hvac system to meet with new york state's guidelines for gym reopening so while like gyms in the city are open now, higher ed is taking a little bit longer to make sure. Obviously, we have a different population. We've got to like ensure student safety first. So we're just being a little bit more diligent about making sure all of our eyes are dotted and all of our teeth are crossed. So when we do open, it's going to be I'm going to have to like basically bring my lunch, and it's going to be six a.m. to eight p.m. back to back to back. So I've got on campus this year, just a little over 400 athletes that all have got to get two workouts a week. So I'm looking at 820 individual lifts and each hour is capped at 12. So you figure that's, you do the math. That's that's just training all day long. So this year is going to be fun. The days I think are going to go fast.
1: Keep you on your toes. If you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers, and you could bring whoever you wanted with you as well. What would you do?
0: I'm going to Cinque Terre, Italy. Really? Yeah.
1: I've never been, but everyone I talked to is like that's the most gorgeous place I've ever been.
0: It is. It is really phenomenal. I will say it was between there and Hawaii. Like those are probably my two favorite places on earth.
1: Brad, it. 8 10 12 whatever age you know in that range that you want to pick would he be happy with where you are now and what you're doing
0: I think so yeah I mean at those ages 8 10 or 12 I was so wrapped up in sport year round I was I was in that kind of the end of that generation that played multiple sports as a kid and didn't just like specialize in one. If I wasn't in sport or school, I was out in the yard playing, like the old school Southern, like the street lamp is your clock to go home. So I think that if eight, 10, 12 year old me found out that like I was working in sports, working in athletics and like being in a gym, I think he'd be like, I can deal with that.
1: What's next either personally, professionally. So like in the next six to 12 months, what do you want to accomplish or where do you want to be
0: so the next six to 12 months as a coach i want to adapt to this new situation as best possible get my athletes just moving most of them across the country haven't had access to a gym really over the last six months so it's kind of ground zero and so taking the next six months to play catch up and rebuild and then hopefully the next six months after that, we can start making those performance strides again and not throw injury prevention to the wayside, but like get through that first six months to really build strong bodies again. And then really like start focusing more on the performance side of it. Personally, hopefully I'm able to like do some kind of traveling. I love to travel. Typically on a year, I'll go anywhere from like five to 10 countries. I just like to backpack. I literally pack everything in the bag that I need. I make sure that somewhere along the way, there's laundry to do And me and my wife, will just this year, obviously I've not been able to do that. The last trip I took actually was at the very beginning of this. We were actually in St. Martin, this was spring break. So we were getting news of everything, just like watching Facebook. And then we came home and it was like the apocalypse, like New York City was shut down. So that was the last like trip really I took. So like I'm really itching to get somewhere, be on a beach, somebody handing me a drink, like just relax and not to worry about anything.
2: My two takeaways from my conversation with Brad are: first, the power of mentors. They can open doors for you, but also guide you along your journey, so that hopefully you don't make the same mistakes that they did. The second is to leave the profession that you enter better than you found it. There may be some old set in stone ways that you had to jump over and figure out how to maneuver around, but that doesn't mean that that's the way it should be. So if there's an issue and a problem that needs to be addressed, be the one to change it. And over time, if it is the right way to deal with the situation and it's positive, then people will latch on.